Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Everybody and welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, the podcast that comes tantalizingly close to not happening every week, and yet here we are again. I don't know what we did in a past life, but it was heinous to be here every week. And who are we? I'm Steve, Doctor Steve Olivas, and he is James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell, and oh, what a treat it is, James. How are you doing today? I was so, so close to freedom. I said, hey, let's record at two. I didn't hear from you for 10 hours. <laughs> I went out, I moved on with my life, and then out of no. nowhere, I get a text, hey, missed two o'clock, how about now? And I was like, oh. I appreciate because... that you didn't read the text verbatim. <laughs> <But> yes. <laughs> I was upset. I was up at 3.15, and I've been going ever since AM. You get up early, too. We're cut from the same cloth. But I had so many things lined up today. Your text came in when I was in the middle of one of them, and I sort of shelved it. And I thought, I'll get back to him at the top of the hour. And then that hour slid into 10 hours. <laughs> and uh, when it dawned on me, it was an upsetting moment. Well, all moments with you are upsetting, so I'm really not surprised by that. All moments that mean I have to do this show with you are certainly upsetting. But this is the show where we talk about things that don't matter to anybody except all of the participants in our vast audience. We're talking to you, Judy P. But James, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about Las Vegas. The good, the bad, the worse, the absolute worst, <laughs> whatever whatever you got. Because you're a man of the world. So I went there this last weekend or the weekend before that, and you've probably been there a million times. So I am, I'm curious to hear your experiences. They've all been very similar, so I think I can just create an amalgam. But uh, you went for the first time at age, what are you, 37, 30, 36? 36, a young and spry and hip 36. First time ever at age 36. And for all the maligning that I do of James Breakwell, he is kind of a homebody guy. I don't think you venture too far outside your comfort zone. And James, this was a big one for you. Well, I mean, you say that, but, you know, if you've, if you've read any of my last nine newsletters, we've gone someplace every weekend, but usually we go someplace within driving distance because driving distance is awesome. It just costs whatever gas costs in my minivan. We can go there. We don't have to pay for rides when we get there. It's very simple. So, yes, flying across the country was a, was a big trip by my definition, and it was a trip to a different climate. You know, usually, I mean, in the middle of summer, you go to Wisconsin, you go to Tennessee or St. Louis or wherever. The weather's all pretty similar through there. Vegas, very different weather. I almost burst into flames when I got off the plane. <laughs> yeah, and boy, you had to, first of all, I don't read your new newsletters because that would increase the amount of breakwell exposure that I have every that's, week. And I'm fair. at about the breaking point just doing this podcast. But I did happen upon this past one and your experience of getting dried out. I forgot your metaphor. It may have had a raisin in it, but 
I remember one of the last times I was there, I something happened with the plane and I got in at like one in the morning. And I still, when I stepped outside the airport to catch a, I, it was probably a cab. I don't think Ubers mm-hmm. were running anymore. It was so late. But my eyeballs dried out immediately. Like, <laughs> it is so sickeningly dry there. It's, it's, I don't know how people ever like uh, dropped anchor and thought, here's a great place to be. It's it's insane. I would go. Uh, I'd wake up before everybody else and go jog to the gym because I didn't feel like paying ten minutes for a ride, paying ten dollars for a ride. And uh, so I would get out there, crack a dawn, you know, when it's cooler in the morning, and it was ninety nine degrees. Like that was the low for the day. I'd always that was heard. Cool. Yeah, I'd always heard the deserts get surprisingly cold overnight, and that was a lie. This desert does not. It goes from hot to scorching with nothing in between. And I think the hottest I saw on the thermostat was one hundred and fifteen. Maybe 118, but word has it that the the city clocked in at 122 somewhere, and I believe it with all that glass and metal. I mean, I mean, with all that glass and metal, I'm sure there were some surfaces that were like 200 degrees. But yes, it was yeah. it was quite toasty. It was a very different experience. But luckily, nobody goes to Vegas to hang out outside. Other than when we woke up first thing in the morning, took a dip in the pool, uh, we were pretty much indoors the whole time, and that's the way you have to live out there, or you will die. You will die, and uh, the good news is your body will be preserved forever once you do die because it'll be decimated. Yeah, it'll actually be cremated for free by the sun. It's very economical. (laughs) Cremated for free. Ah, what a business model that would make. Very low work, very high return. Nice. Well, I've been there probably between six and ten times in my life. I don't know the exact number, but I tell you, I have only been there in the dead of winter once, and I was there in January, and I I did wear a winter jacket. Like, it was chilly. Yeah. Every other time has been summer, either for vacation or the last few speaking tours, I ended up in Vegas in freaking July. Literally (laughs) July in Las Vegas. That was my punishment for being good. I'm not sure if that's exactly why they did it, James, but at least that's the story I tell myself. That is also when I was there, and uh, yes, going there is definitely a punishment, a punishment people pay for. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a fun city, but it's a fun city in a place that's not meant to support human life. They might as well have built it on the moon. No, no well, or in hell. Yeah. <laughs> this is like hell, only a little drier, I'm fairly certain. Aren't there like seas of fire in hell? There is nothing that has the word sea in it in Las Vegas. There's a few things that start with the letter C. None of them is cash, at least not when I'm there. But yeah, Vegas is a fun town. Did you have, and I don't know if they still do this because we've entered the era of political correctness, but did they still have the dudes on the street corners? I got put the phone against my ear to do a visual here. They sort of hold a deck of cards. And no, they, they didn't. They do that with it to get your attention. And they're cards with pictures of hookers and phone mm-hmm. numbers on them. So I was warned extensively about that beforehand. I have a buddy who'd been there. This was his third time. He said the first time he went a couple years ago, those people were just absolutely everywhere. And everywhere. The, the second time, he said... They were a little less conspicuous, and this time when we went, I did not see a single one. Uh, they nobody I, no, nobody handed me anything the whole time I was there. People just kind of avoided <laughs> me. It was like being back home. 
I wonder if COVID sort of wiped out the whole prostitution injury uh, industry injury, a prostitution injury. Oh, wow. There's, there's My no, mind is a world. There's no way it killed that industry. If there's one industry that's recession proof, it's got to be, you know, prostitution. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I think they're cracking down. I think Vegas wants a new image and they want people to come there and blow their money and they want people to feel safe when they do it. So to get all those, you know, skittish 50 somethings out there, your demographic with the money and the poor judgment, <laughs> They had to chase away the. They had to chase away the pimps. It was just part of it. And Vegas has gone corporate. Wow, there, I, I guess I'm encouraged but saddened by that. <laughs> and it's interesting. Maybe it's because I'm a dude, but I never really felt threatened by those people. I on one of the trips, my two buddies and I just sort of collected all the cards we were handed with hookers' pictures, and we <laughs> had a stack. By the time we came home, it's amazing how much overhead there is in the pimping business. Yeah, I mean, it's all about presentation. You got to get that account at Kinko's. You got to get the printing going. You got to <laughs> you got to present a professional front. So I've got to know what what. Yeah. So you are the only person I'm aware of who's older and lamer than me. So when you go to Vegas and you're getting these what? cards and you're not using them, and when you're not working, yeah. like what did you do for fun in Vegas? Man, that's the. I think I talked with you about this a little before you went. In addition to complaining that I wasn't invited, but we'll <laughs> save that for another talk. As uh, it was completely on Breakwell brand, but we gamble quite a bit. Like oh. I know you didn't have fun gambling, although I gamble differently than most people gamble, and I'll tell you that in a second. But there's a lot to do in Vegas if you enjoy sort of sitting around and looking at people and uh, seeing the sights, like the Bellagio Fountains. We went to the big pirate ship show at Treasure Island. We went to the uh, the Mirage where they have the exploding volcano. You see the zip liners going down Fremont Street. Like there's plenty to do if you don't want to spend a ton of dough. But the way that I gamble, which is a little more relaxing for me is I go into the sports book of one of the big ones like Caesars Palace mm -hmm. and they'll have a wall of like a hundred TVs and I'm not even exaggerating and I'm just making bets on like uh, the, the, the pitch count of the third inning of the Dodgers Padres <laughs> game kind of thing but uh, I can sort of balance my wins and losses in sports book better than games of chance which as you pointed out uh, the chances of you winning are about zero at mm -hmm. those so I don't uh, I don't go through a, a stack of cash doing that, it's particularly because they'll be feeding you drinks the whole time, and uh, that's not a good combination for Doctor Steve. Okay, so I think the feeding you drinks thing is a myth. I didn't see anybody there getting free drinks the whole. I mean, now granted, we didn't set up shop at a table all day or anything, but those drinks, I mean, they are they are pricey and they want you to pay. They want you to pay for everything now in Vegas. And we figured out the cheapest way to drink. So the first time I went, we got there. It was me and my wife and uh, my buddy Greg, and we were uh, we were the first of our five to get there. So we thought we'll just go out because we're you know young and excited. We got to go see the city right away. Sure. So we go out there and we go right up to the bar and i think he ordered a stella artois you know just a domestic beer that tries to sound fancier than it is i got like a, its own special glass too yeah i got like a jack on the rocks or something and my wife got uh i don't know some something that wasn't you know anything fancy and between Thunder. the three of us with tip it was 60 bucks like for one round Holy of drinks crap. we're like 
man. And they trust me, if they're charging 60 bucks for something handed to you by a bartender, they're not, they're not handing those out. But what we figured out is 25 feet away around a corner, there was a mini convenience store selling giant cans of stuff, like giant cans of Miller Lite, giant yep. Trulies and the, the, you know, the hard seltzers and stuff. And those were like, I mean, they were still expensive, but they were like gas station expensive rather than, rather yep. than Las Vegas expensive. And that's the way we went. And I figured out I could get, you know, just like a diet Coke or something and buy a couple shots <laughs> and dump it in there. And that was cheaper. Then as I thought about it, if I went back and did it again, because we also bought alcohol for the, for our house where we were staying, because what, what else are you going to do? I should have, since they don't care if you carry drinks from one place to another, they have no idea where you bought it. I should have just bought a diet Coke at the grocery store, dumped half of it out, filled half of it with vodka. And then I would have been set for the day. But I yeah. didn't think of that until later and getting back to the house can cost anywhere from 30 to 80 to a hundred dollars, depending on the time of day. So once you're there, you're there, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Boy, I, those ABC stores are the lifeblood of somebody who doesn't want to spend a ton of cash. Mm -hmm. the, the little convenience stores that you're talking about. They have those in Honolulu, too. Like, I've been to Hawaii twice, once to do a speaking gig and then once on vacation. And uh, I think we bought all of our booze and food and everything at those little convenience stores and saved ourselves the trouble of going full price at the casinos in Vegas mm -hmm. or at the hotels in Hawaii. Everything, even the grocery stores in Hawaii are just exorbitant. I remember it being like $9 for a gallon of orange juice there because it's an island. They got to ship in everything. Uh, and we went, so my wife way back in the day, like shortly after we got married, she won a free trip to Hawaii. Like who does this? Wow. But it, it was like a call-in thing on the radio. She won a free trip. Wow. But it was after... I had booked our non-refundable honeymoon to Puerto Rico <laughs> on a much more modest budget. So we're going there. So right after we got married that next week, we went to Puerto Rico and we had a great time. Puerto Rico, I mean, this was like pre-hurricane or it was like five hurricanes ago. So yeah. it's a poor island. So when you inflate it for tourist prices, it was like regular prices. So we rented a car and we had a blast in Puerto <laughs> Rico. Then we then uh, a year later, we were getting ready to buy a house. Like we had had to put down a down payment. We were trying to save up all we could and we still had had to use that free trip it's like okay we're gonna go there Ooh. we're gonna go to hawaii and just try not to spend any money that is the wrong way to go to hawaii <laughs> that is that is kind of it's like like las vegas of the pacific ocean like everything there is built to make you spend money so i remember we and we never we weren't there long enough to adjust to the time zone so we ended up uh we had like a voucher for how much we had to spend we got kind of expensive rooms and weren't there that many nights so every night we fell asleep at 6 a, 6 p.m and woke up at 6 a.m i remember we watched a lot of ice road trucks like that's how we spent our Hawaii vacation. Oh my God. You, James Breakwell, you are an animal. I tell well, you what, you got to well, slow down. Actually our biggest thing. So, I mean, we went out on the beach too. We did, we did the typical stuff, but we're not really big beach people. And we were misled by a couple things. Like one of the things people said is like, oh yeah, Hawaii has a great bus system. You won't have to, you won't have to worry about renting a car. Well, yeah, it might oh. be a great bus system, but it's still a bus system and buses are slow and they make a million stops. It took yeah. us like 45 minutes to an hour or something like that to make it the nine miles from the airport to the hotel. It was just horrendous. So we never took the bus again. And then the next day we were going to go up to Diamond Head Crater. There's like an observation post up at the top. And so we asked the maitre d' or the concierge, whatever they're called, like, how far away is that? He's like, oh, a mile or two. And we're like, oh, that's not so bad. We're just going to walk there. You know, we're young. We're in the prime <laughs> of our life. Well, first of all, it's entirely uphill even before you get to the volcano to climb the volcano. And second of all, it was like three Three and a half to four miles like it was a substantial difference and so we walk three and a half to four miles like
gradually uphill. Then we get there. Then you get the super steep uphill of a thousand steps. So we get all the way to the top and then we get down to the bottom and we got a three or four mile back walk back and we still didn't pay the dollar for the bus. Cause like, you know what? We walked the whole way uphill. We're not paying for the downhill. <laughs> that was and Next time you go on vacation, let me know. I'm going to send you a hundred bucks just so you live a little. So oh, you don't have to feel like it, you need to squeeze every nickel till Jefferson it was cries. Good God. The principle. I'm not going to pay for the downhill, Steve. I'm going to pay for the uphill. That was a lesson learned. <laughs> no, you're not paying for either. Uh, you would have done the same thing. You were the most stubborn person what? I know outside of me. If you had walked the whole way uphill, you would have refused to pay for the downhill too. Well, you're not factoring my wife into the equation who would have been complaining the whole time we were walking uphill about my <laughs> stubbornness. And then she would have loaded her own ass into a cab and said, are you coming or are you walking? And that's the way the conversation would have ended. That's fair. I do remember they had all, there were a lot of homeless people on the beach. And I thought, you know what? If you're going to be homeless anywhere in America, this is the smartest Ooh. place to be homeless of all. Like, really, you just have to scrape together enough money for a one-way ticket one time. And then you can just, you know, <laughs> why would you want to go and be homeless like someplace where there's harsh winters when, you know, it's for a one-time yeah. payment, you can go be homeless on the beach for the rest of your life. It's like, And some of them, I've, seen, I've heard of people there, they're not even like, it's not even like people who are like mentally ill or like down on their luck. They're just like hippies who are like, you know what? I'm just going to live in a tent for the rest of my life. And they yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a government program that'll pay for that one-way ticket for you, too. You just got to be cagey in yeah. the way you do it. Probably funded by the city they started out in. Like, hey, would you like... <laughs> <laughs> probably. They passed the hat. Yeah. That Diamond Head tour, though, it's not really a tour. It's more of a workout that Peloton would be proud to have in their <laughs> arsenal. Man, that is pretty freaking cool, though, isn't it? It was quite a view. It was the the picture I took at the top of it was the background of my computer for like 10 years after that. Like it was nice. it was really cool. The place was legitimately beautiful. But uh, we just uh, we're not really beach people, I guess, at the core of it. Like you go and you sit in the sand. and It's like, OK, what now? I just uh I don't get the appeal. I uh, I guess I'm I'm the paradise is wasted on me, which probably doesn't surprise you at all. <laughs> no, because you are sort of the paradise killer. The most beachy we've ever been, and we're reasonably beachy people, but was when we went to Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. And uh, because of my Hilton points and status, we stayed for free at the Waldorf Astoria in Port, uh, whatever city it's in. I can't think of the name. It's not San Juan. It's about 40, 40 miles or 40 minutes out. But the point is, the Waldorf owns an island that is just off of Puerto Rico. Oh. And they will ferry people back and forth. And the island is like Fantasy Island. <laughs> I, I'm not sure James Breakwell could have sullied my mood on that island. So we spent a heck of a lot, to, a lot of time running amongst all the, uh, there were like iguanas out or uh, bearded dragons, whatever they're called out on the island. My son got stung by a sea urchin and had to get <laughs> medical attention. We got uh, overpriced, watered down drinks. It was really cool. Yeah, we actually, so we went to a peninsula called Rincon. Apparently it's supposed to be big for surfing, but it's like three hours outside San Juan. So it was, it was a major drive, but we went down there and it's so far outside the capital that things are kind you know, they get tourists, but not as many. So it was, it was right. really a cool place to be. And we found out like years later that like the, the, like the well, like the, the, the travelers in the know, like that's where they go. All the, all the Ooh. tourists who get fleeced, they go to your Waldorf Island. Everybody else who knows what's <laughs> what, they, 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 they 
drive to Rincon and hang out and have a blast. We stayed in a bed and breakfast there with like a walled off courtyard. This guy, this guy from Canada had moved down there. This is his dream. He just took, took over a house, uh, took, turned the bottom floor into five bedrooms with doors facing an outside courtyard. And that was it. We were a hundred wow. feet from the beach and we were off season for tourism. So nobody was there. Uh, it was really cool. We got sunburned beyond belief, like the first two yeah. hours of the first day. <laughs> and then after that, we, we tried to stick to the shade. We, I remember we fed, I remember our final meal there. So we went out, we went to like every local restaurant we ate out, you know, for like between the two of us, it cost like 30 bucks to eat out back then. It was amazing. And then I remember our last meal, the last day we were just exhausted and didn't want to go anywhere. And we had champagne that they had left us when we came there for our first night and stale Cheez-Its. That was our final meal of the trip <laughs> and it was perfect. <laughs> And because you were there off season, you saved like $12 and you were probably pretty proud of that. Well, I mean, we were there off season because that's when we get married, like got married. Like, sorry, my marriage didn't line up with peak tourism season in Puerto Rico, but that's just how it worked out. <laughs> when is your anniversary? Uh, it's August 25th. Look at me remembering dates. And that's not during... I guess school has started by then, so yeah. that really puts a hit to the tourist trade. I think so. It was. I know there was a. Uh, I, I think they get the the colder it gets up here, the more active it gets down there. I think it's one of those situations. Mm. So yeah, I know there was like there was a bar right next to our um, our Airbnb, but it was seasonal and it wasn't going to open till like September. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we have had similar tropical vacations, although it sounds like uh, at very different levels that uh, you went with a cardboard box and one pair of underwear and uh, we sort of went like real tourists. We wanted to experience okay. the place. So when I went, I was a newspaper reporter making twelve sixty-five an hour. Yeah, I'll just throw out the number. <laughs> I remember driving to work one day, hearing about like a factory positions open for $14 an hour. I was like, why don't I just go do that? What is my problem? Man, it was, I mean, you know, my wife and she made more than me, but you know, she was just starting out her career too. So we were the, we were the poorest we ever been or ever would be at that moment when we were there. So yes, I'm, I'm sorry that we did not have the, the peak <laughs> tourist experience that you did, but we, we did what we could. Uh, I remember being in that position. I was just talking about this with one of my buddies on Twitter. We were talking about our bottom out point when we decided we're not going to go into credit card debt anymore. We're not going to buy cars with a car note. And I said, I remember mine. I don't remember the date, but I remember it was a Sunday and we were sitting in the house. My son had just been born. This was like 17 years ago. We didn't have a pot to piss in. And uh, I had just had a business fail on me and I've had to file bankruptcy with that thing and stayed out of personal bankruptcy, but was still in debt. But I remember sitting there with my wife and uh, we got kids and we got a dog and we couldn't even go for a drive. We had one car we shared between us and we didn't have enough money to put gas in the freaking car. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking this will not happen again. And uh, that's, we started a five-year plan. We climbed out of debt and we, we owe nothing other than our house at this point. And it's been, it's amazing how you can accumulate wealth when you have no debt. Like, man, the, the money to service debt is a killer. But I do know what you're saying. When you start out, you haven't had a chance to get a running head start mm -hmm. on building any kind of equity in your life. 
and you do have to cut corners for a while. It's good that you guys were able to still go to those nice vacations, albeit on a budget. Yeah, I mean, we weren't like destitute. I guess it helped. So I went to college on a full ride. So we got out with without debt. And, well, and I had some savings because I was, even though my newspaper job was terrible and would have put me below like the poverty level anywhere else, <laughs> I was doing it for part of the time when I was in college and living and eating for free. So I built up some savings. So when we got married, the first thing I did was I took my savings and I wiped out my wife's college debt. So we started yeah. out like even. So we were okay. We just, yeah, yeah. we just didn't have a lot beyond that. We were starting at zero we weren't starting at negative whatever so i guess we were better than most people but yeah the, the whole thing was just uh yeah that, that was before we bought the house so we didn't have this massive debt looming over the top of us buying a house is, is scary as you uh as you well know you have just completed that that uh once again for probably the 50th time in your life so you uh you yeah, can well attest we'll, to that <laughs> we can talk about that next week but it gets less scary as time goes on, because if you do it right, you build a little more equity every time you do it. So mm -hmm. it, it becomes less of a leap of faith every time. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. You don't fear that you know you will something will go wrong and you will end up homeless and all, and all of that. But you know what? The risk adds to the fun, just the, the total chaos of it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyway... Well, any closing thoughts on Las Vegas? We got about a minute left, Breakwell. And that's about how much time we spent talking about Las Vegas. We talked about every place <laughs> but Las Vegas. I still don't know what you do. Actually, you know, I, I will say this. You mentioned sports betting. That was the only yeah. money I won the whole time there. So I lost probably 100 or $120 in slots. Like, we lost most of it the first day. And sometimes you're just standing around. It's like, all right, I guess I'll try a couple bucks in the slot machine. And that's like 10 seconds of entertainment. But yeah. we, I had a buddy who bet big on a soccer game that first day. And he lost the bet but he's huge into it and so the second day he went to place another bet i was like all right just put some in for me and he bet 20 bucks or 27 and i won 50 and it was the, the winnings were so small though that like it wasn't worth us to pay for an uber to go back to the casino because it would have wiped out all our profit oh yeah and you so to collect in person yeah, so to collect it, they're like, well, you can also collect by mail. You know, heaven forbid they let you collect online in 2021. So you have to like mail it in with a self-addressed envelope for them to send the money back to you. Like this casino that rakes in money won't even splurge <laughs> for a stamp. Like that's how eager they are to pay you. Well, I never had luck with the slot, so I stay the heck away. But Mrs. Steve has some kind of magic juju with the Wheel of Fortune machine. And one of our last times out there, I was sitting at the bar drunk and pissed at the <laughs> video poker game. And every 15 minutes, she would flutter through and drop one of those slips from the slot machine on the bar in front of me. And it'd have 80 bucks or 140 oh, bucks. Man. Like, she kept winning. It just made me more angry, James. Well, we did every time we were up by, like, even a dollar or two. So you go over there, you put 20 bucks in, and that 20 bucks just starts to turn into nothing, like, instantly. And sometimes, yes. like, right towards the end, we'd win, like, 22. Like, we'd be up. We'd be up the slightest <laughs> amount. And the second we were up the slightest amount, we would bail. We'd cash out of that machine, and we'd go to another one. And we did that. We had, like, four machines in a row. We kind of carefully stair-stepped up. But, you know, in the end, Vegas always wins, and they get you where you think it's going to happen again, and they take all your money. And then you spend the rest of the time drinking, which isn't a bad thing. 
Sort of like this podcast. Just when people think we're never going to do it again, bam, we take all of their hope. And then you and I start drinking. Probably Judy <laughs> P, too. But until we meet again, we do have to draw this one to a close. You got seven, seven, and then a bunch of berries. So it was very close to you almost getting out of it. But until nobody understands my reference, including myself. Until we begin, this is Steve, Dr. Steve. It's getting really hot in here, Olivas, with James the exploding probably because of the heat break well saying thanks for watching thanks for listening and remember as always two wrongs can make a right <laughs>